afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Borough Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting again today from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. And with that, the excitement that I actually get to sit next to Mike Zuzalo and, and talk to him about what's been happening in the market trade. But before we bring Mike in, take a little bit of what looking at the trade. A lot of negativity is still happening on the grain side of it. Some higher numbers in the livestock complex. Maybe, maybe. Just maybe we're seeing the, the cattle take advantage of this dip we've seen within the corn contract. We're also going to take a look today what's been happening with the demand low in corn and wheat, Russia, Ukraine. And speaking of cattle, a cattle on feed report that is set to come out on Friday. Like I mentioned, Mike Zuzalo is joining us. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And it's nice. It's one of the things I love about this convention is because you come over from your office a little dry, but we appreciate you coming and, and hanging out at our booth and, and talking some markets and an interesting type of Thursday trade that's been underway. Every year it's such a treat to get to see you, Susan, and uh, see you in person. And uh, it's just, it's a highlight of my career. It really is every year. I just really appreciate the NAFB organization and obviously the Rural Radio and starting off with you. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And you got to be on the air with Clay earlier today. Uh, Demand low in corn and wheat. Many folks wondering when and if it was going to happen. What are you hearing? Well, you know, this is a stretch right now because we just got the grain deal extended. I realize that. But we did close higher in Paris wheat today. And I thought that was pretty important that maybe we're setting up a market where we're selling the rumor and buying the fact. Um, we've seen the demand side start to show some glimmer. Egypt's coming in for more than market trade expected. Midday today, we heard that Pakistan may be coming in for a 500,000-ton tender. I think we've got multiple headwinds that are maybe turning into at least crosswinds and maybe possibly tailwinds. And so I've been on the hunt. I've been on the search, analytically speaking, for a demand low because we found it in the soybeans probably two-plus weeks ago. Corn and wheat have just been dragging themselves down for a multiple number of reasons part of that being the grain deal. And now that it's extended, I hope we can move forward, especially if we can take off the railroad strike as a possible negative influence. And and with the river levels coming up, maybe the transportation issues are not there as well to really push us back down again. Do you think with this grain deal in place, is it really going to be in place? I think it will be, but we've seen a couple things, and we know a couple things now that we didn't know when it first became a a grain corridor. One is, is that Ukrainians' production is going to be around 50 million tons in grains versus 85, 86 normally, or what they did back in 2021. They're behind about 30, 31% right now in year-to-date exports versus last year. And I think maybe the most important thing is I don't see any change in the analysis that the Russian mindset, the, the big game mindset that they have is to do a maximum pressure campaign heading into winter to try and break the will of the Ukrainian people through food and through energy and by them slow rolling inspections of ships. I think we see that they're not playing at 100% speed. So we may keep the grain deal lasting, Susan, but I think it's going to be a situation where we still got tight wheat supplies, we still got tight crude oil supplies, and we still have tight corn supplies as well as tight ethanol supplies. At some point, I think we're going to have to go back and look at that. And talking with a Ukrainian farmer yesterday here at the conference, and he said they want to sell the grain. They're trying to move the grain actually a little bit faster than what they had planned because they don't know what the future is going to hold. But again, they still want to be that breadbasket and help feed the world. Well, and we need them to be. That's the bottom line. And, and I think one thing to your point you just made is there's some fresh information coming out that most, I think, grain 
uh, traders in the commercial sphere recognize the railroads and the and the Rhone River and some of the Dnipro rivers, they are not going to get the job done as far as being able to equate uh, what they can get out of the Black Sea with some of these other areas or other ways to, to get the uh, wheat and the corn out. We've had some struggles going on in this soy market as well. Yeah, this is a big deal. I mean, we've had a 3 million metric ton soybean weekly export sales, almost double the top-end trade guess, and yet the beans are one of the leaders to the downside. And why is that? Well, all week long we've seen the soybean oil really take it on the chin, and I think, it, that, I think that is seasonal, and I think it's really directly related to the energy markets and the crude oil market in particular. I'm, I'm inclined to think that as we get into the Thanksgiving holiday and turn the calendar to December, that seasonal will then end, that negative mindset and the soybean oil will probably start to end. What about the weather in South America weighing in? I mean, because we keep hearing about we're going to have such a great comp, at least coming out of Brazil, maybe not so much Argentina and Chile, but what are we seeing? Is that going to be a continued pushing factor? I think it is. The latest numbers that I've looked at in Argentina specifically in the Pampas regions, about um, most of their, their five of their seven major provinces in that Pampas region sounds like they're still looking at precip levels that are at or near their five-year lows. Even with the rains, they just got a couple weeks. But you bring up one of the three biggest issues, I think, contending with soybeans. On the upside potential is the fact that China's buying, and they're buying big again. And I think that maybe is because of weather. Why else would they buy at this point uh, if Brazil has uh, soybeans? I think the second thing that maybe is a little bit more negative that we really have to watch, and maybe the number one factor for all of agriculture is commodities in terms of commodities in general, is China and that zero COVID policy. Will we be able to shake that or will China go back into a hard lockdown? And there's some, a lot of talk that because of the increase of COVID that that lockdown is going to happen. That's exactly right. And I think that's why you're getting that dollar perking up again along with the Federal Reserve. But I think the real safe haven buying in the dollar, the big money, so to speak, I think is due to what's going on with China and the uncertainty there. I think the third thing, just to wrap it up with the soybeans, is the idea that the, the new administration down in Brazil, President Lula now, he's really changing a lot of fiscal policy and it's really playing havoc in the foreign exchange market. So we've got to watch the Brazilian real very closely. All right, we'll stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. And, and Mike, before uh, I want to talk more about this, but give us a quick nugget going into what the wheat quality looks like in Kansas. Wheat quality, it's, it's going to be very difficult. I, I liked what Seth Meyer said this week about it, the conditions being unrecoverable. I think that was an excellent term to use because of the crop conditions. All right, we're going to get more details about that and how that's going to have an effect on the trade as well as we see moving forward. We do have a Catalan feed report that comes out on Friday. We'll get those details as we get ready to head into a shortened trading week, kind of a weird trading week next week as well. We'll dive more into that and a lot more as we continue. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stuff. Action Employer. 
Welcome back now to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast again today from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention underway in Kansas City, Missouri. Mike Zuzalo is joining us in person. He's with Global Commodity Analytics out of Kansas. And we left off kind of talking about this uh, Kansas wheat market. Kind of scary. We don't know how to hear the words that it might not have a good comeback come spring. Yeah, the funds are trading that too, Susan. If you look at the last commitment of traders report, they added to their hard red long position, add to their soft red short position. We have that hard red soft red spread now above 145. That's above the 2014 weekly close. We're heading towards a 2011 high back towards 173. I think that can be tested because 24% good to excellent in Kansas versus 64 last year at this time. Nebraska 22 versus 60% last year at this time. I really do think we're going to have a historic, if not generational situation when we come out of dormancy as far as winter kill and, and crop that didn't go into dormancy that actually went, went dead. What about Russia, Ukraine and their wheat crop? Yeah, this is a big deal because it's starting to be tested. The crop quality is starting to be tested and it's an issue right now in both Russia and Ukraine. Some of the key areas like the Volga area 30, 40 percent below 11 and a half percent moisture. That may that may cause some struggles with the corn because that takes wheat down to a feed grain. But as far as finding high pro wheat, I think we're kind of in pull position here in the United States. So that means get the dollar down, get us competitive, get those rivers opened up all the way. Before we jump over to the livestock side, Mexico continues to say no GMO corn coming up, but then they make a big purchase from the U.S. I really think it goes back to supply and demand and where are you going to get that kind of those kind of numbers and that kind of cheap transportation. I really don't think Argentina is going to have much corn to go out the door here in the next three months. And in fact, I think their meal market may start to show some real problems as well. I hear that from the seed guys. They said they, they can't turn around GMO seed that fast. Exactly. I, I really think the, the president of Mexico is probably negotiating policy using agriculture at this point, if I had to guess. We've had some drops in the grains as we look at the livestock side. Cattle finally starting to take advantage of what we're seeing? Yeah, and in fact, I would say you're putting a premium in the cattle market right now, partially due to the winter weather coming in early. I think that makes a difference this year. Probably the first time in five or six years I can remember that the market's waking up to winter weather in the feedlots. I think we're, we're going to need to feed the bull on the cattle on feed report on Friday because of these higher prices and fats. And now after the turn higher in the feeders on Thursday's trade, I think you need to come in at least at the average trade guess. It'd be really nice to see all the numbers except marketings come in on the low end of the trade guess. What are you thinking? What are some of your early predictions? What are your cohorts out there kind of looking at? I think I and the rest of the trade decided or thought last month was the peak in the cattle numbers. And so the placements number, top end numbers, 100%. Low end numbers, 94.6. I think many of us are at 95 or below. That's where I'm at. I'd be very surprised if we were at 100%. I think the feeders would probably take it on the chin and we'd see some liquidation pressure if we saw 100% placements. Turkey numbers, that's something we don't talk about very often, and you're laughing at me, but we know the reports that the turkey numbers are down. Does that mean a good possible boost for our proteins, both pork and beef, for these holidays? Yeah, the last numbers we got from the uh, from the uh, disease control people was that we're over 50 million birds at this point, and 51.5 was the record back in 2015. We're on track for beating that as far as lost birds at this stage. I think that the pork market is really in pole position to be able to take on more of the meat side of the equation and consumption, especially the hams. We're seeing the hams being featured here for Thanksgiving. So... 
higher hogs, though, tighter supply hogs, that should help the cattle as well, at least underpin them. not saying we won't find some breaks to the downside and some serious corrections uh, if we lose some beef consumption over the wintertime, but I think the market's better supported than it was a year ago. And even with all the struggles we're seeing globally, the demand is still there for good, high-quality proteins. It really is. I think this is where the consumer debt load is now back to above pre-pandemic levels. We've put a lot on credit cards at this point. I'm waiting to see how the holiday seasonal goes for the meats in particular. Target's not looking good in what they said. Tyson took a hit on their beef side. Is that going to turn into a retail situation? So that's something we've got to keep an eye on. We're a week away from Thanksgiving. Having said that, markets are closed on next Thursday. Only a half a day on Friday will we see an open trade. What in this time frame are you kind of wanting folks to keep in mind? I think the COVID policy in China is a big deal. I, I think that's probably the biggest issue for me that would open up the downside in the grains especially, but even the hogs to a lesser degree too, Susan. And that's where I would be a very quick hedger of some of these prices that we're at right now if we'd see a hard zero COVID policy re reinstituted by China. Is December going to bring in some negativity as well in this trade? You know, it's been off this year, this seasonal, with this lower trade in the corn and wheat and not getting a bounce, you know, after the Halloween holiday. I think the Seasonals are a little bit off right now. I think the downside maybe would open up in the soybeans, especially if the South American weather would turn on and benefit the crop production. That's one of the concerns I have. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com, and that's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Take a free trial for two weeks. Take a look at our product services brochure you can download. I think we have something there for everybody. All right, thanks so much. Mike Zuzula joining us here in Kansas City. Just a reminder to folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcast. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.